Welcome back to the Apostles Mailbox, where we've got a tough road ahead, because um, I'm, a, I'm a Protestant, I'm not a Catholic, uh, and today I'm going to defend the Pope. Um, well, it's bigger than that, but I think something needs to be said about something that recently happened within the Catholic Church, and I'm going to weigh in on it, and I'm going to try to do this without all the Protestants discounting me, <laughs> because I think this is a message uh, that the Protestant Church needs to hear, not about Catholicism, uh, but about something bigger than that. So, I hope you'll stick around as we talk about fiducia supplicans today. All right. So, what is fiducia supplicans? Uh, and and honestly, like I'm, I don't speak Latin, and so I I don't even know if I pronounce that right. Um, but uh, the English translation of it was supplicating trust. It was this document that the uh, that the Vatican, that the Roman Catholic Church put out uh, last December 18th, I believe it was, 2023, um, where the, the Catholic Church addressed this question of giving out blessings. And uh, if you are much into listening to the news, you probably heard something about it. There was this giant furor, uh, a bunch of Protestants saying, you know, this is the great apostasy, the Vatican's totally gone off the rails. Uh, a bunch of Catholics saying, like, you know, the Pope is a raving liberal and, and he's apostate. And I was just really a mess, but a lot of, like, mud was being slung. Um, and um, people were out making a big, big deal about it. And, uh, <laughs> well, something happened. Uh, I heard it. I thought, wow, this is terrible. But knowing Pope Francis, it's not surprising that he's drifting more liberal. And, and I just assumed that the way it was being represented in the news when people explained to me what Fiducia Supplicans actually said, I just assumed, uh, in good faith, uh, that those descriptions were correct. Uh, but what happened was... Um, Somebody that I that I respect and care about sent me a YouTube video uh, talking about this and asking what I thought about it. And so I went and I watched the video and I was about halfway through and I thought, you know what, maybe before I weigh in on this commentary on a document released by the Catholic Church, maybe I should just go read the document itself. So I typed it into Google and I found Fiducia Supplicans it's on the Vatican's website. You can visit it yourself. And what I discovered when I read the uh, when I read the document itself, what I discovered was this. I don't know if most people who have who have lambasted it, I don't know if most of them have read it. Um, and if they haven't read it, they're not responding to what was actually written. They're responding to what somebody else said about what was written. And what we know in our culture today is that it's increasingly polarized and the people are really, really not very gracious when it comes to representing other people's arguments. So, in some ways it reminds me of like, and when I was a kid, I used to fight with my siblings, because who doesn't fight with their siblings? And my dad would always say, hey kids, fight nice. <laughs> and we'd say, what do you mean fight nice? Like, be nice to each other when you're fighting. Um, I'm not going to exposit that statement, but I do want, that's my, that's my call to you as, as followers of Jesus Christ uh, today on the Apostles' Mailbox is exactly that term, fight nice, all right? So, you may disagree with 
the Vatican or the Presbyterians. You might disagree with the Baptists or the Methodists. You might disagree with uh, your great Aunt Ruth, who holds this weird uh, belief because he goes, she goes to a tiny little cult church somewhere in uh, Timbuktu. Uh, you might believe with other. You might uh, disagree with other. Christians quite frequently and, and over things big and small. But at the end of the day, if you can't fight nice as a Christian, uh, the very means of disagreement is going to undermine uh, your ability to bring people into truth. So, what I noticed with this video, with, the, with and, and I'm not going to link to the YouTube video because I don't want anybody to think like this is my hit piece on the guy who made this. Like this is a this is a problem that we all do, is that very often uh, we we respond emotionally and reactively to things that are said, and if they fit with our prejudices, we just assume they're true. Okay, so when the Vatican released this document. Uh, uh, this this loved one who sent me the video, they assumed that the representation of what the what was being said in this document was true because uh, they were already highly suspicious of um, of the Roman Church's hierarchy and. And so, uh, rather than go back and say, well, what did the church actually said? They just assumed that the person uh, giving this address um, was speaking the truth and. Honestly, in fairness, like the guy who made the video has a really big name and he's written a whole lot of books. And a lot of people will assume because he said it and he's a smart guy and he's a Christian uh, that it's probably true. But the accusations being made in this video as I went back and I read Fiducia Supplicans, um, I didn't think they were fair to the document itself. So what I wanted to do today is uh, explain briefly what I see in that document, um, as if anybody cares, uh, but just mostly for the sake of illustrating this idea that when you disagree with other Christians, uh, it is not okay and it is not constructive to create what is called a straw man argument. So you, you, you take something they said and you blow it out of proportion and you make an argument on their behalf that they would never make and then you demolish that argument. That is not actually uh, effective argumentation and uh, furthermore, it's not constructive when it comes down to pursuing harmony and growth. Okay, it's very good for getting YouTube views or clicks, you know, on your news station, um, but that's not what the church is called to do. We're not called to get as many people listening to us as possible. We're called to seek peace and pursue it. We're called to seek truth and teach it. We're called to come to Christ, and honestly, like we are called to worship one God uh, through one Lord Jesus Christ uh, by one Spirit that we share in. And unfortunately, the church has become so conformed to the world that we fight and we make our arguments in the same ways the world does. Okay? So, here's fiducia supplicants, as I understand it. What is going on is that uh, the Roman Catholic Church, of course, historically has condemned uh, homosexual activity uh, because the Bible pretty clearly condemns it. Now, I'm not here to argue that point if you think the Bible doesn't condemn it. Sorry, you're not going to get that discussion here. I'm just going to assume that they're right when they said this is sinful behavior. All right? And so, because homosexual activity is sinful, then the Catholic Church says you can't, of course, bless a union 
uh, that would include such activity. So the Roman Catholic Church cannot and will not and does not bless same-sex unions or marriages or anything of the sort. In fact, they are very clear uh, that a marriage is between one man and one woman, and that sexual activity within that marriage uh, is not only the only appropriate avenue for sexual activity, but also that the expectation for it to be appropriate and moral and godly is that it would be open uh, to conception. In other words, the point for which God gave us sexual activity is for procreation. It's to have kids. And so if you just try to take the pleasure of that without being open to the uh, the possibility of procreation, then you're, you're distorting God's gift to humanity. Okay? So this has historically been the Catholic Church's position. And as you would not expect from listening through the news, that's exactly what was reiterated in fiducia supplicans. Not only did they go out of their way to repeatedly emphasize, we're not changing our position, the only valid marriage is between a husband and a wife, and the only valid sexual activity is within such a marriage with the possibility of procreation. Um, so not only did they reaffirm their position, but they did it quite emphatically and quite directly, and they doubled down on contraception, right? So the Catholic Church says it's sinful to interfere with the process that God designed to work naturally, and they even put that into fiducia supplicants. So, uh, as you might expect, like, being against birth control is not a popular position uh, in the world today. And if the Catholic Church was trying to curry favor with liberals, if you will, uh, that's the last thing that you would want to stick into a document like this. But the Church wasn't interested, as far as I can tell, in overturning old doctrines. Uh, they were simply wanting to uh, talk about something else, which is the subtitle for this document, which was called On the Pastoral Meaning of Blessings. Okay, so let me get this straight for you. And you can read this document if you want to. You can, you just look up Fiducia Supplicans on the Vatican's website, and you will find the document. It's not very long. It's translated into a bunch of different languages, so you can read it. And uh, aside from some theological terminology, you'll probably understand it if you take some time to slow down and read it, or you'll get most of it, okay? So, uh, what's going on here is, is the Catholic Church once again affirms that marriage is only between a man and a woman, uh, and that it is not just a convenient social arrangement, but that it's actually a sacrament. That is, it's actually a means by which God gives us his grace, and therefore, uh, in no way, shape, or form can a Catholic Church or her official representatives ever imply that God would be in favor of or bless any sort of same-sex union, okay? So it says this again and again and again and again, all right? When you got your, your headlines in the news, if you saw them, uh, the claim was the Pope has just opened the door to blessing same-sex unions and they're overturning, you know, thousands of years of, of Catholic doctrine and, you know, it's a great apostasy. And, and quite frankly, that's simply not true. That's not what the document says. So what does the document say? Well, after affirming heterosexual marriage is the only proper context for sexual content, the Pope, or actually the Pope didn't even write this, uh, their doctrine department wrote this, uh, they raised the question of this. The Catholic Church is 
is an organization that has representatives who offer blessings to people in the name of God, right? And particularly in the name of Yahweh, the, the eternal creator God whose son is Jesus Christ and who gives us his Holy Spirit to indwell us. Okay, so in the name of this God, the Judeo-Christian God, uh, the Catholic Church will offer blessings. And a blessing, in their understanding, is, uh, is the means by which we ask God to give us his favor and his goodness and his grace and his character and his spirit. Okay? And so, uh, the document is intended to sift through this question of what does it mean for a pastor to bless? Okay, so uh, when the when a, a priest, if a priest is to bless you, then what's going on? All right. Now I don't want to represent their whole argument because I'm sure I will misrepresent parts of it because I haven't, you know, like devoted hours to studying this. But in general, their point is this: like you can, we bless God when we praise Him, when we exalt His name, and He blesses us by uh, inviting us into deeper communion with Him. And when this happens. Uh, what is always the case, according to this document, is that we come to God not deserving, but in need. So, no person ever in the history of the world has gone to a Catholic priest and said, uh, rightly, uh, would you give me the blessing from God that I have earned and that I deserve? Okay, according to this document, all requests for blessing are a recognition of our need for God's grace. That's what it is to ask for a blessing, okay? And so nobody deserves it. No, not one. So then, they raise the question, again, in this document, what if somebody who is involved in a homosexual relationship comes to the priest? How should the priest respond in such a case? And the answer is, well, it would be highly hypocritical for us to hand out blessings in the name of God, which are intended to be a means by which God makes us more like him, to deny them to somebody who's stuck in homosexual sin, but to give those same blessings to anybody else. That would be incredibly hypocritical. And furthermore, it would cut off said person uh, from the means by which hopefully God will draw them into repentance and into righteousness. And so the recommendation then is that a priest, if he's asked for a blessing, he doesn't need to go and try to determine if the person asking for a blessing deserves it or anything, but he can just give it. However, it does go as far as to point out if, for instance, a couple uh, a homosexual couple wanted to have a marriage ceremony or a union ceremony, and they asked the priest to bless that, then the priest has to say no, because the priest in no way can seem to be placing the affirmation of the Catholic Church on this union, right, on this pseudo-marriage thing. Uh, in fact, in, in the church's eyes, it can't be a marriage, because a marriage is a sacrament given by God to a man and a woman together, right? And so they said, in no way, shape, or form should a priest or a bishop or anybody offer a blessing on behalf of God as part of the Catholic Church uh, that might in any way imply God's approval or blessing of this union between the couple. However, they said, it is 
Also equally important that if a priest is asked for a blessing by someone, that he should be willing to offer them a blessing in the name of Jesus Christ in the hopes, again, and the expectation even, that God would use that as a means of drawing that person into greater righteousness. All right? So, when you look at the document, it is very clear not to affirm or to approve gay marriage. It's very clear uh, to reinforce that the Catholic Church cannot that no official representative of the Catholic Church should ever do anything that might imply even that the Catholic Church was in favor of such unions. However, it's not the priest's job to judge who deserves a blessing and who doesn't if somebody asks. And so they said, if somebody asks, go and offer them a blessing provided it's not in a context in which such an action would be interpreted as an approval or a sanction of this activity by the Catholic Church. So, uh, among other things, here's the ironic thing is, again, not a Catholic, and I no way represent the Catholic Church, um, except as a child of Jesus Christ, uh, I think that I also uh, speak in some ways the wisdom that God gives by his spirit, okay? And if I had to draft such a document, there are uh, certain Catholic mentalities that go into it that would not be present. But if I had if I had another Protestant evangelical pastor come to me and say, Andy, you know what? Uh, somebody from my church came to me and asked me to pray for them, and um, and they're gay. What should I do? I would say, Pray for them, right? Ask God to, to, to open their eyes and bring them into his life and his goodness. Like, wait, you, you think you're going to bring them closer to Jesus by saying get lost? No. <laughs> it's, it's, not your it's not your job to say like, no, sorry, I can't pray for you. You're a sinner, right? And, and So this is what this document, as far as I can tell, intends to do. It intends to say to priests, you, God has not made you uh, judge, jury, and executioner over the morality of your fellow uh, human beings. And if anybody comes to the church looking for God, no matter how messed up everything else there is about them, give them as much of God as you can. Because their only hope is God. Their only hope is that the Holy Spirit would come and transform them, right? Their only hope is found in Jesus Christ. And if they come to the church looking for Jesus Christ, give them as much as you got. And that's what I think this document was intended to do. But unfortunately, like, that doesn't sell well in, in today's culture. And nobody wants that kind of thing. Like, they want to see the church as, as the enemy, or they want to see other denominations as apostate. They want ammunition to throw at other people or to sell their books. I'm pretty sure in this, in this video that I watched, like, the guy made probably two or three um, references to his book on sale, which you could buy to hear more about this, right? And so, like, the, the problem is that the, the church is in this, like, aggressive desire, this battle for more clicks, for more views, for more controversy, because it's good for sales, and it gets people listening to me, and it, and it increases our sense of self-righteousness, like we're right and they're wrong. And in this case, I don't think they've been fair to the Vatican. I don't think they've been fair uh, to the Pope. I think this is just a real big, ugly mess. And honestly, like, if it was a politician, like, running for office, I would say, who's surprised? Are you surprised? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not surprised. This is what people do. But it's not just the world that's doing this. It's us, brothers and sisters. It's Christians. 
right? It's us who are, who are going to bring somebody's name up. We're going to take a sound bite or a word or one thing they said, and we're going to take it out of context. We're going to blow it up and misrepresent it. We're going to nail them to the wall, and we're going to say, these are a apostates and heretics and don't have anything to do with them or anybody they've ever talked to in their life and any, you know, any organization that would even let them like put a blog post on their website ought to be excommunicated and 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 certainly any other speaker who would dare to share a stage with them at a conference they're also apostate like this is not who Jesus is. Jesus went to dinner with the tax collectors. He 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 went to dinner with the prostitutes, right? And when they when they sought to learn from him and to receive his blessing, he blessed them and he healed them and he offered them the life that they needed. He didn't sit there and say, "Well, you know what? If I if I were to bless this prostitute, then people might think that I'm affirming prostitution, and I can't have that." So you know, sorry, Mary, you're. Uh, you're not worthy of this. You know, Jesus was called a friend of sinners because he was gracious and loving to them, and he invited them into life. And somewhere along the line, we as Christians uh, began to see that not as our goal, but as a liability and as unfaithfulness. And so we we fight with each other nonstop. We, we tear each other down. We destroy each other. And nobody's coming to Christ because of this. But plenty of people are fleeing from the church because of it. Because honestly, like, the world's not that dumb. If they have any exposure whatsoever of the Jesus in the, as represented in the Bible, they look at you and they go like, well, I like this Jesus guy, but the church is a joke. It's nothing like him. Nothing like him. And honestly, like, most of the time, they're right. They also, of course, do their own things where they, they they build straw man too. And not everything that the world has ever accused the church of is true. But a, a shockingly high amount of it is true. And what grieves me over this past month is just how much mud was slung at people. Um, and, and honestly, like my first thought in my heart was harsh judgment of the Catholic Church and their apostasy. And, um, and I don't think I ranted and raved about it to anybody. I hope I didn't. If I did, I'm sorry. I was wrong. Um, but I, eventually, I just got to the point where I was like, hey, you know what? Before I before I even opine on this, I, I better go read it. And as soon as I did, you know, my immediate reaction was like, one, either nobody's read this, and so they're all talking about what they don't understand, or number two, they read it, but they're not willing to give the Pope the you know, or the Vatican, the benefit of the doubt, and they're just looking for every possible way, you know, to slip their own ideas and say, and say, well, I know he didn't say this, but he meant that, or this is where it's going, and, you know, and, and it's, it's not what Jesus would do. Uh, it's not at all like Jesus, and if Jesus wouldn't do it, I don't think we, as his church, ought to be doing it. So, if this has been you, if you have, if you have sort of run your mouth about something that you didn't understand. What can you do? Well, you can do a couple things. Number one, you could you can actually go read the document uh, yourself uh, and and see uh, if if I faithfully represented it. Uh, number two, you could go apologize to the people that you said those things to, and you could say, you know what, I came out very strongly against the Pope, and I denounced him, and I denounced the Vatican, and and. Uh, 
I don't want you to understand that I think that necessarily <laughs> the Vatican is right on everything they do, but I do want you to hear this very clearly. It's wrong of me uh, to be so judgmental in my heart towards them about a topic that I didn't understand. And, uh, and I don't want to be held to account by my Lord um, for being unjust in my treatment of these people. And if there are others, right, it's quite probable this thing is not just going to be forgotten. Uh, if you in the future, if you hear people saying or acting this way, uh, whether it's to the Pope or whether it's to a Calvinist or an Arminian or whether, you know, it's to somebody who wants to believe in believer's baptism or infant baptism, if you ever hear somebody like uh, building a straw man, like, you know, over-exaggerating the other points, the other side's point, just so they can tear it down. Um, I'd encourage you to say, now, just hold on a minute. Is that fair? Have you represented that position in the same way somebody on that side might? Have you been fair to them? Have you been gracious to them? Uh, do you still love that person? Would you, would you actually want for them to change their mind and agree with you? Or do you, are you just trying to score points here? Because Jesus didn't call us to score points. He called us uh, to call the world to repentance, to Jesus Christ. Uh, he called us to teach them to obey everything that he commanded us, even to the end of the age. Uh, he didn't call us to get a big following and uh, to defend his honor. Uh, he called us to love truth, to seek truth, to love peace, to seek peace, to love himself and his Father uh, and to walk in righteousness. And above all of it, you know, when, when, he, when, when asked what the greatest command was, Jesus didn't say, the greatest commandment is this, get all your doctrines right and make sure you don't believe anything that's in any way a distortion of the truth. No, he said, the greatest commandment is this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. And I think we've been doing a pretty poor job of it. And I think fiducia supplicans is a good opportunity for us to remember that especially when you're talking to your brothers and sisters, uh, fellow Christians, it's time to fight nice. Let's honor our Lord and our Father in this. God bless you. We'll see you again here soon.